This is the WFG National Title Insider Report, featuring industry experts, thought leadership, and what's trending to keep you informed and ahead of the market. In this episode, we welcome back Richard Barbara, Chief Operating Officer at Coral Gables Title and Escrow, and Senior Attorney and General In-House Counsel for the Barreto Group. Hey, Rich, thanks for joining us. Before we talk specifically about uh, how you've adapted in this environment, uh, give us an update on the South Florida market. Uh, how are things there? Brian, thanks so much for having us. It's always great to be on with you. And, you know, the the South Florida market is um, is a resilient market. It always has been. It, it's, it's a strange market in the sense that, you know, there are very high value acquisitions and there's low value acquisitions and both the, you know, like the really pricey market moves. And then, you know, what I like to call the, uh, the every, the every man market moves. I'd say middle of the road inventory suffering the most middle of the road being, you know, once you cross into the jumbo threshold, 550, 600, 650 up to about 2 million bucks, you know, it's tough, but, um, but high value trades are still happening. You know, we were, we were very blessed. We just closed a big one with WFG last month. It was 46 million all cash. Some things like that move and, and some things don't, but so far so good. Um, you know, I think obviously the, the market will start to see the effects of COVID, you know, maybe in another 30 days or so, uh, we've seen a little bit of a, of a reduction in deal flow, not a whole lot, but obviously between the, the birth of a file and the closing of a file, uh, there's that interim period. So when, when, when the flow stops, obviously you'll see a lag in the closings, you know, in the ensuing 60 days or so. Yeah, the refi market has been booming. How much fallout have you seen there? I mean, how many, how many deals are uh, making it to close? We've been very fortunate that we've only, to my knowledge, we've only lost one deal to the pandemic that the lender pulled out literally at the last minute after having issued the clear to close buyer was put in a precarious position. Luckily the seller was very understanding. And so, you know, everybody walked away with nothing more than bruised egos, but for us, the fall, you know, and I say for us, you know, my office, the fallout hasn't been as severe as I anticipated that it would be, you know, so far people have kind of found a way to adapt for a while. It looked like the secondary market might freeze up. Um, and that was going to put, you know, the everyman transaction in jeopardy, but, um, you know, luckily that didn't happen and, and things kind of, I don't want to say turned around, but those fears kind of, uh, they kind of went away prior to any real damage being done. Then again, we could see it again. If some of these reopenings go poorly, right. That might create some new chills that would run through the market, but we're hoping not, you know, we're hoping that, um, that things kind of continue and it'll be, a you know, kind of like a slow, but steady March back. Yeah. When we scheduled this, I think two months ago, that seems like ancient history now. And I thought at the time, I thought, exactly. well, it's going to be a couple months till we talk to Rich again. And then now here it is. And obviously we've uh, surveyed the country. Uh, walk us and talk us through the month of March in your office and, and how you handled it. Man, it's an incredible time. When I was a kid, things like this, the thought, of things like uh, a pandemic, you know, were, were pretty terrifying. When I was a bigger kid, I saw the movie Outbreak, which, you know, now there's a new one 
that's been going around. But the one that I saw was Outbreak, and it was like a Dustin Hoffman, Rene Russo movie, and it was like a monkey that bit someone, and I mean, the whole world. And that one had like a mortality rate of like 99%, right? So, you know, obviously the difference between the horror movie and real life, thank God, was that, you know, the mortality rate for COVID, thank God, um, is not what, you know, what you, what you see in these films typically. But, you know, look, um, we live in a pretty uh, forward thinking um, city, despite some people's opinions of, of our governor, but the mayor of the city of Miami is a guy named Francis Suarez, a dear friend of mine. He actually was one of the first public officials in the country that got COVID. So he was, he was infected early on. He took it very seriously early on. God bless you. Know, and, 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 you know, he's doing well thing and he's fully recovered now, but you know, the city kind of went on, um, went on a shelter order pr- pretty early. He had a uh, curfews pretty early. And although my office is not in the city of Miami proper, I'm in the city of Coral Gables. Those distinctions don't really matter in our community. I mean, everybody says they, they live in Miami or they're from Miami and the chances of them living in the actual city of Miami are very slim, but obviously that kind of set the mood for our area. And so my office, particularly we prior to the pandemic, we've always been very robust on technology It's something you and I have discussed before. So we've been set up to work remotely, access the server remotely, you know, cut checks remotely, print to the copiers remotely. We've been set up to do this for a long time. And, um, and I don't want to say that, I don't want to suggest that we're unique in that sense, but living in South Florida or along the coast, you know, we have the unique phenomenon that we have to prepare for storms on an annual basis. And so when the quarantine first started, we would joke down here in Miami that this, this type of, um, shelter at home and, and this kind of inability to, to, to kind of go out is actually quite luxurious because we had electricity, you know, mm. normally after a big storm hits down here, not only can you not really get out there because either streets are flooded or power lines are down or trees are in the way. And, you know, and sometimes neighborhoods are, are you know, you're pretty blocked in, but on top of that, there's no power. So you're dealing with like 85 degrees heat, no electricity, and you got nowhere to go. So, you know, the, the local joke early on was that, man, you know, we can get used to this kind of, uh, you know, this kind of shelter order um, since we have all the luxuries of home, of a powered home, and, you know, we're able to shop. But we immediately went to um, everybody working remotely model. When we have closings, and thank God uh, we've had a lot of them, and we had a lot in March, when we couldn't avoid physical closings, we would send only the required personnel to the office. So the one closer who was working on their file, and then when they were done, they would scan, copy, do the things they had to do, get funding authorization, leave the office, the funder would show up, fund the file, you know, send out, you know, all the required notices to everybody and, you know, let people know they could release keys and all this kind of thing. We've done a couple Zoom closings where the realtors wanted to be present. So, you know, we have interface capabilities where people can attend the closing, you know, um, I guess uh, via video conference. It wasn't so painful an adjustment period for us because, you know, like I said, we were used to having that kind of technology at the ready. I, I would say the biggest difference was going, you know, from a scenario where maybe we have one or two people working remotely at any given time. Somebody was working from home for a couple of days or whatever it is to a scenario where everybody 
was working remotely. And so, you know, I make my way to the office almost on a daily basis. I would check the mail, scan the mail to all the appropriate processors so that they're aware of things. So, you know, we, we have some physical presence at the office, but by and large, um, you know, we do all the, the heavy lifting remotely and then skeleton crews as necessary for, you know, signing ceremonies and things for which we need physical bodies. When you look at Miami, too, I mean, tourism is so huge there. Thank goodness. I mean, last time we talked, we were getting ready for the Super Bowl. I know you've got the marathon right around that same time period. And obviously, some of those sports activities have certainly been curtailed, PGA Tour and all the stuff that happens in Florida. But, uh, I mean, good thing you got the Super Bowl in, right? You know, let me tell you, thing. We, we were just talking about that, that the incredible good fortune. And by the way, it's like you said, that seems like eons ago. You know, like the yeah. Super Bowl played in, in early February. So that, to, to think that, you know, it was just like 14 days later that we were kind of, you know, the world was already ending. And then, you know, 30 days later, it was like, you know, why aren't we locking down? And, and it seems literally like a million years ago. But yeah, but yeah, we were very fortunate to get that event in. I think it was, it was great for the city. It's a crazy world and it's really unbelievable. It is now. March was gangbusters for everybody around the country. And now uh, you touched on this earlier. Uh, what's your outlook from this point moving forward? And I always timestamp the date that we record these podcasts. This is Wednesday, April 22nd to air the next week. So things change on a daily basis. But as of yeah. today, how are you managing moving forward? We availed ourselves of the PPP program. Um, Please to report that we were approved. We haven't been funded yet, but we were approved. So, so far, we haven't suffered and we haven't needed to make any personnel adjustments or anything like that. And we don't anticipate having to do that, God willing. Okay. Like you said, things change on a minute to minute basis. You know, by the time this airs next week, we'll have a week's worth of data in terms of Georgia's attempts to reopen South Carolina, Texas, et cetera. And really, Brian, I see this as a tale of two possibilities. Possibility A is that the country tries to reopen in what some people feel is a rush or premature. And while I don't think there's any scenario in which we won't see some increase in cases, if it's a manageable increase, a sufficiently non-shocking increase in cases such that we don't have to do a complete 180 and shut everything down again, then I think, look, I think um, this will be a considerable bump in the road. And the rest of 2020 would be about kind of picking up the pieces and trying to make the best out of a year that started out with a lot of hope and obviously took a punch in the face. You know, and uh, and so, you know, obviously there's that a week of pain, the, the, the fat lip for another week and this and that. So, you know, it takes by analogy, it would take several months and kind of hopefully by the end of the year, we kind of be talking about, my God, what a year it's been. And, and everybody be kind of looking to hit 2021 on better footing. Right. So mm -hmm. it could be a blessing in disguise that the anticipated recession, instead of coming as a function of 
typical economic slowdowns, which might have made it harder to recover from. You know, maybe maybe COVID it was the recession that nobody wanted, but everybody needed. And uh, and the country as a whole, you know, obviously some people are going to are, are, are going to have a harder time than others. But the country as a whole will kind of come out of it a little sooner and, and for another, you know, 10, 5, 5, 10, 12 years of prosperity. That's that's what I'm hoping happens. Scenario B could be that um, obviously these these reopenings go terribly poorly. The numbers spike. The market takes another tank, obviously out of renewed fears. We got to go back into lockdown. That takes us through the next 60 days after which, you know, summer would already have taken a large beating. And then, you know, the CDC is talking about a, a more complex resurgence in the winter because by then we'll be dealing with influenza, you know, flu season at the same time. And imagine like the rest of the, the year in this, and I don't want to, I, I hate using the wartime analogy, but in that wartime footing such that, you know, people are just kind of swinging, grasping, just trying to, just trying to survive. And, you know, the country's like, and the world would be like a comet, you know, out of control, careening through space. And obviously all bets are off at that point. And I don't think anybody would have a real good idea of what things would look like if it went that way. So I don't think it will, you know, I think there's a lot of data out there that suggests that this disease is much more prevalent than we previously thought that more people have had it and have recovered that the mortality rate is ultimately uh, much lower than even anticipated that the reopenings will go well not without hiccups not without issues but that by and large the country will kind of learn to to walk with this limp and that eventually we kind of you know just kind of muscle through it and and um, you know and things take on a a different but not horrible rhythm to them. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And you talk about the technology and the ability to adapt. How big of a factor was the Great Recession? And we're talking two completely different things, completely different animals here. But, you know, recent memory, 10, 12 years ago, how important was it to go through that and recover and be able to adapt uh, to this when this was going on, because I know for a lot of people, including myself, thought, OK, we've we've been through this. You know, here's how you manage through it. There's kind of an experience that comes with that, right? hundred percent, man. Um, really, you, you it's uh, it's not it hasn't been talked about too much, at least that I've heard. But, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, perspective is a wonderful thing. I was a very young lawyer during the, um, the, the financial crisis of 2008. I, I graduated in the middle of 2000 and, or late 2005. So I was maybe a year and change out of school when, when the financial crisis hit. And I remember it was, a, it was an incredible time. The years after were incredible, right? It didn't march back too quick. You know, it was 2012 before things really kind of started to pick up again, at least in real estate. And, you know, it definitely... It, at a minimum, and although it had nothing to do, you know, people weren't dying in, in, in you know, I, I read today that this past weekend, one New Yorker died like every minute from COVID. Yep. That's a lot of people. So mm -hmm. it wasn't like that, but 
existential fear kind of, you know, if you've seen it before and you're like, Oh my God, this could change everything. You know, my whole life, I'm going to lose everything. You know, once you kind of see that again and you realize, Hey, you know, you can make it. We're a strong country. We're a strong people. You know, we find a way, uh, we see opportunity, you bounce back. It's, you know, so long as you have your health, I'm a big believer in that. You know, in my view, if you're in the United States and you're healthy, you're ahead of, well, almost everybody, you know? So at the end of the day, you just got to kind of keep that in mind. And, and yeah, you know, it's like Tom Brady guys been to six Super Bowls, so, or seven or however many it is eight. So, you know, for him, you know, it's another Super Bowl. It's a big game, but he's been there before, you know? So people going through their first big crisis right now, I feel for you. So it's all part of being human. It's part of the human condition. And, you know, we, we just got to do the best we can. Yeah, that was a good point in terms of the time frame of four to five years in most major markets around the country to recover from the Great Recession. So and I don't know about you, but, you know, when I hear, OK, hey, Disney World will reopen possibly on January 1st of 2021, I go, OK, well, you know, that's that's six months, you know, OK, maybe sooner. Right. But it's that perspective I think we have where you go, OK, hey. Uh, if it's six months or a year that we take a dip here and then start to climb back out, that's a lot better than four or five years, right? Yeah, and honestly, I think it's a different climb back. There's a lot of people that have lost jobs, and there are a lot of people that are already crushed financially. And so, like, down here in Miami, and I think in most places, construction has been deemed an essential business, Right. So one of the projects we have going on for, you know, one of the things I'm involved with is this, this uh, restaurant that we're building. And so I've been at the site a lot and I was at when the, when the shelter orders first came down and all businesses that are quote non-essential had to shut down. There were these guys here at the site, a bunch of trades and you know, here in Miami, a lot of the tradesmen are Latin guys, Cuban guys, Nicaraguans, Dominicans, you name it. And so they're largely speaking Spanish. And so I'll translate for you. But one guy was like, yeah, you know, my boss isn't sure that he wants to keep working, this and that. And this other guy said, we're allowed to work and your boss isn't sure if he wants to keep working. He goes, that's, that's a guy with enough money to determine that he's not sure if he wants to keep working. And the other guy says, no, he's also an old man. It just doesn't do him any good to keep working if he's going to die. And the response from the, the one of the laborer guys says, well, you know what, man, I'd rather die of Corona than starvation. And his mm-hmm. point was, you know, I don't have the luxury to kind of not work. And so right now there's a lot of people protesting the lockdowns. They're getting a lot of heat. Oh, these people hate science. These people are idiots. These people are weak. You know, they just miss shopping and all that. And the reality is no, is that these people are demanding the ability to go out and support their families. And they're not able to do that. So in the great recession, as we call it, it was a protracted burning. People were burning for a long time. They were into real estate that they shouldn't have gotten into. The market was incredibly leveraged. So, you know, that was kind of like a disaster of everyone's doing. And this, this is a disaster of no one's doing. So while the people who have already lost their jobs, it's going to be harder for them to to make their way back, let's say in two months when, you know, when God willing, the shelter at home orders are, let's say, largely going away, 
right? And, and restaurants are reopening with new social distance measures, whatever the new normals are. Yeah, it's going to be harder for those people to come back. But the market collapse is not a function of too much leverage, people not being able to really afford their homes. Like that was the issue in the past. Values not holding up. You know, it's like we're, we're living in a time right now where if there were a lot of foreclosures, like there's going to be surplus cash for these owners because there's value, there's equity in this market. You know, uh, uh, three months ago, four months ago, people were complaining that you almost had to be Spartacus, you know, to get a loan. I'm a member of, of a, a number of, you know, real estate mastermind discussion forums. I usually just observe when people complain, it's like they were selling that if you had a 650 credit score, they could get you a mortgage. You know, 650 is not so bad, you know, but the reality of the matter is that lenders were a lot more careful. So, you know, I'm less skeptical of our ability to come back from this because, of course, so long as it doesn't last too long. Remember, all things kind of come down to our scenario A or scenario B that I described a minute ago. But yeah. assuming that we're in the scenario A universe, I'm less skeptical about everyone's ability to come back or most everyone's ability to come back with relative ease or not ease, but with relative speed and agility. Because again, this is a disaster of no one's making, whereas the financial crisis was more a disaster of all of our making. Thanks to Richard Barbara for joining us on the Insider Report. And thank you for partnering with WFG. To learn more about our unique process, systems, and technology, visit WFGAgent.com. And to leverage the buying power of a national underwriter, including access to cost-effective health insurance, visit WFGBlocks.com.